Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Real Estate Podcast, the intersection between the latest trends in real estate and its impact on our everyday lives. We're your hosts, Alex Norman. And Jamie Blonde, and you've come to the right location. The real estate starts now. In today's episode, VIP Meds, we explore the intersection between real estate and the emergence of the concierge doctor service and how it affects the lives of the average person, such as you and me. Today's episode will be a riff on the topic. And with that, Alex, please take us out. You know, this makes me think about the old practice of doctors making house calls. And that goes back, I think, to the, the late 1930s when your doctors visited um, people. I can home. remember that. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, <laughs> you know, it's, it was a standard practice you know, for doctors and physicians to go to patients' home and if they were too sick or injured and seek medical, to seek medical attention outside of their homes and you know, to go to hospitals and all that. I think, you know, at the same time, uh, I, my understanding is that they um, these visits eliminated most healthcare costs, right, that are standard to most doctor visits, as well as being reliable um, uh, for, for patients who don't necessarily have to travel long distances to go see a doctor that wasn't located near, near where they lived. And not only is this, this routine less costly, I think, for both patient and um, the medical community, but it actually improved the health of, and well-being of many patients. Uh, and they say that it relieved the stress of waiting in, waiting for diagnosis, waiting in a hospital, waiting room, and it kept people relatively healthier. I think, I think it's all debatable um, because back then people died of polio. <laughs> I think there's certain diseases that, that don't that really exist today, but some believe that in the future, the near future, maybe 2030 even, doctors will fully re-implicate um, this method of making house calls, or there'll be some hybrid uh, of, of, uh, of the two. Well, you know, I can remember growing up in Brazil when I was a kid, my grandfather needed to see doctors on a regular basis, and they used to come to the house and they had that really personal one-on-one relationship between the doctor and the patient that sometimes as medicine has become a business, you don't really feel as much anymore. Um, so you're absolutely right. I can also remember growing up as a kid in Montreal and the doctor came over and our Doberman bit the doctor in the ass. And I'm, I can't help but wondering if that wasn't somewhat something that, that might've had something to do with the fact that doctors don't come to the house anymore. <laughs> Well, right. I mean, there's a there's a whole host of things that um, I used to have a paper route, and I used to I used to dread having to collect money from people, uh, let alone having to go in there and and uh, and shave off uh, bunions. I can just can't imagine. I, I think the, the one thing that we forget, uh, for the most part, is I think to your point, the doctor patient relationship. Right? We get um, obviously politics gets into healthcare. We talk a lot about healthcare and the cost of healthcare in, in business and trades. What we don't really talk about is the implications and the impact of healthcare to us and the softer skills uh, in healthcare that actually make us feel better psychologically and emotionally, uh, not just physically with, with the meds that we're, that we're, that we're have access to. Absolutely true. And as, as our lives change, as our bodies change, as we change, our relationship and the importance of the relationship with the medical profession changes as well. And things can happen if you get older, you know, your body starts to need more maintenance, or at least it's telling you so, or you get more chronic diseases where it becomes more important and, 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 and a more common 
uh, interaction between you and a medical professional. If, you know, talking about real estate, there's a lot of movement going on in this country right now. We've talked on the podcast about the great migration, etc. Well, when you move, whether it's because you're moving for a personal reason or you're moving for a job and you go into a new, a new area, what's the first thing you need to put together? A portfolio of services from the dry cleaner to the dentist to the doctor. So the question is, where do you find? How do you decide who's a good doctor? I mean, everybody says my doctor's the best, my dentist's the best, but you know, one of the doctors graduated last in his class. Is that the guy you want or the girl you want? So well, how I, do you I, know? I guess is a whole, it's all relative, right? I mean, a, a great doctor and a not so good doctor, is that the difference between life and death? I mean, I, I mean how do you get mediocre health services? I, I, I think to your point, you know, how do you I think there's a lot of websites and a lot of new services that are popping up, ZocDoc being one, uh, let's name a few, uh, that are designed to try to give patients some information about what uh, and or who uh, provides the best service in their area. I'm not quite sure how effective it is, but I think I still, I don't know about you, but I still ask people and friends, you know, who would you recommend as a doctor? I mean, I'd rather go to a person that I know than look online and see a four or five star rating. I agree. And, and and like anything else, when you look online, what you don't know is the quality of the reviewer. Just like someone can think Outback Steakhouse is the best steak they ever had, and somebody can think Outback Steakhouse is an average steak, but not that great. You don't know when you're reading the review. So if this is the same thing with with a doctor and, and even worse with a doctor, I wonder how many people take the time to write a negative review if you're not happy with your doctor. Uh, you just kind of... Well, they're still alive. I mean, <laughs> if, if you can still write at that point. <laughs> the ones that survey. So exactly. So right away, it's a negative bias because all the people that were treated badly, they can't write a review because they're dead. Boom. Loophole. <laughs> love it. Exactly. Uh, so, but, but yeah, again, but yeah, you're right. So it's, it, it's tricky to figure out who's a good doctor or dentist. You know, somebody else have a great dentist and they smile. You take one look at their teeth and you go, yeah, uh, I'm going to keep looking. Thanks. Well, you know, but that's a good point though, because you think about hairdressers uh, or, or barbers, you want the barber with the worst haircut, right? Because everyone else who has great hair, that haircut was was cut by someone else. And the guy that's sitting there that's cutting everyone's great hair of all, all of the barbers is the one that's the best barber. So you want that guy. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair so, enough. But, yeah, but, it's, but your point earlier about, about real estate, I think plays also into the fact of mobility and the aging population of the United States, right? So more people are getting or are, are crossing over that 65 year old threshold than ever before. And as a result, people are thinking about how close they are or can be to a hospital or a healthcare facility. And I think in an earlier show, we talked about how healthcare uh, and urgent care are now breaking away from hospitals and moving in, moving closer to home. Obviously, CVS is a new sort of healthcare practice. Uh, and obviously, um, healthcare facilities are, are going into malls and in communities in different ways. And so people can actually live closer. So they commute less, but they're also thinking about the issues that are common among um, mature and aging individuals, and thus want to be closer to, 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 to the solutions. 
Yes, I agree. In, in the end, everybody is, our society is obsessed with convenience, right? I mean, you have drive-through pharmacies now. People don't even know have to get out of their car to get their life-saving medicine. They don't understand why they're overweight and they're not in good, in good shape. I mean, Amazon, right? Amazon, you can now get something same day. I saw this comedian, he was so funny, was saying, people get to the point where Amazon's like, you want it right now in your hand. I order it and it's in my hand right away. I mean, it's crazy. So let's talk a bit about concierge medicine and what exactly do we mean by that? So the concierge medical practice refers to a private form of practice where the patients are charged an out-of-pocket retainer fee for accessing the doctor's services. This includes services such as office visits, round-the-clock access to physicians, lab tests, health calls, care when you're traveling, referrals to specialists, preventative care, regular health assessment, and all that. And generally, the doctors bypass the insurance situation by either just charging the minimal of the insurance charges for a, for a doctor's visit, or they take the insurance out of it completely and you pay the doctor directly. But net-net, it's a form of, of, uh, of more of a higher, higher touch point relationship between the doctor and the patient. Right. And that higher touch, though, also comes with higher cost. I mean, you know, if you're thinking about the, the service component of it, I think for the most part, I would say there are service industries that have gotten it right. I'm not quite sure how skilled doctors are at the customer service component, right? I mean, I think if a doctor came to my house and um, you know did the business, and I had to think about what I should give them as a tip, I think I would. <laughs> I think that would kind of like, that would like ruin my day, right? I'm like, right, if I gave ten bucks, like tip of the finger. <laughs> I mean, I mean, because that's the thing, right? Because then he's like, well, next time I come back, I'm not going to give him, uh, you know, that extra whatever. You know, man, I just feel like there's a shot of Valium. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, it, 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 it becomes, the variable between between life or death is really around the quality of customer service and thus the 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 relationship you have with your doctor. I think things could get real, you know, real bad real quick, I, I would imagine. Well, you know, when you think about the first of all, let's be honest, there have always been concierge services and VIP services for people that could afford it in every aspect of life, from being able to afford a super pass at Disney World, where you and your family get uh, have a concierge who take you from ride to ride and you never wait in line, to hospitals like a hospital here in Miami that if you pay extra, you can have an, your own private room on a separate floor that has better food, etc. I think what, what's what's happening is, as as with everything else, I think slowly, slowly, these services are becoming more affordable to more of the middle class. Uh, and uh, and I think when you think about about these concierge services, it's always to solve a problem. And usually, the problem is time. Usually, the problem is people don't want to have to waste time. And if you think of your doctor's relationship, what is the thing that is the most unnerving, the worst part of any doctor situation relationship? It's getting to see him. Or getting to see her right it's being able to book an appointment quickly when you need them and then not having to wait an hour and a half in the waiting room right this is true you know time is money but then again money is money <laughs> what's time again <laughs> so but you know i think it also leads to a point that the the business of medicine has become a business and it has become uh, about the money in some cases and i think that you know I know when I was growing up, the biggest house on the block was always the doctor's house. And in other countries outside the U.S., it's not that case, right? Because medicine is a right um, or, you know, for every citizen. And so the doctors are not necessarily making hand over fist because it's a public service. And so 
when you start thinking about the differences between VIP, I wonder if the quality of care changes. I mean, people Will people live longer if you have more money in the bank than those that don't in the United States? They don't already? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell am I working so hard for that? No, the, uh, that, that, that's, that's valid. But I will also say in, in defense of, of the medical profession that they have very high expenses, right? Everything from their student loans in order to, be, to become a doctor these days to malpractice insurance, which is astronomical because of all the, uh, all the legal, all the lawsuits that happen in this country because you can sue and you lose nothing if you lose because it's all on contingency. And so I, I think the doctors have, have to make one or two choices. Either they see more patients or they see less patients, but more money per patient. So I think what the concierge service is trying to solve is the ability for the doctor who really does care about the patient and wants to be able to spend the time that he or she feels is necessary to provide the adequate service versus the expenses that they have to carry to have that kind of an operation that can provide that kind of quality care. And I think they're stuck. So, right. So low quantity, high touch, right? So more quality, high cost, high touch. Exactly. Right. More quality experiences for the patient, same time, more quality interactions for the doctor. Uh, and thus he doesn't have to burn himself out to, to make a living and seeing hundred people a day. I get that. And so the, the notion though, that people will be living close or further away from that physician or that, that doctor uh, does that mean, then say that we can have those experiences, and those relationships via virtual? I mean, that's a great question. And, you know, I was just thinking about that because during COVID, I saw my doctors through telemedicine on Zoom calls or whatever, whatever service they were using. Uh, and it, it, it always left me with a like a like a, a bad taste in my mouth as if, yes, I'm talking to the doctor. We're talking about my condition. He says everything sounds fine, but he's not touching and checking for any nodes or anything that might be does feels abnormal. He's not listening to my chest. It's not really an exam that I can walk away and feel comfortable. You know, when you see get an exam and the doctor says clean bill of health, everything is great. Keep it up. That feeling you get, you feel confident, you're happy. You don't worry about it. That anxiety goes away. I don't feel you get that with telemedicine. I, I think, like you said at the beginning of the show, we've lost some of that without the house call and the concierge service is trying to make the doctor's visit as close to a house call as possible except you still have to go there and i and telemedicine obviously is is here to stay as everything tele is here to stay but i don't know about you i don't really want to have my checkup done through telemedicine because i don't feel like the doctor really has checked me out yeah that's true i think that bad taste in your mouth that you were getting uh <laughs> Uh, I think could be solved with a nice analgesic, but I think that the, um, <laughs> the, the you're right. The notion that that you're just not getting a full like the full Monty, if you will, I mean literally um, on on telemedicine services is is probably accurate. I wonder if I know that there's always products and technologies that are out there that are gauging your your health real time there's apple watch there's the aura ring and and they're trying to bring the diagnostic element of of medicine to you through technology in this this um this sort of biotech thing happening and i want to say that if you combine perhaps a doctor tele experience with technology that is on your body, maybe that's a way to get us closer, but it's nowhere near uh, near perfect. But I wanna think that the best doctor for whatever particular ailment 
doesn't necessarily need to live or work in New York or in Miami. I mean, they could be in, I don't know, Austria someplace, and then I could get access to that person via a tele-solution, right? I mean, I think that it opens up the, the aperture for what's available. No doubt. And we had Michael Hines on, who's a teleradiologist. We, a lot of those points were very well made during that episode. Uh, and there, there's no question that, yes, it's allowing experts to be to be able to be anywhere, virtually anywhere, and help to read and diagnose. But I think when it comes to the doctor-patient relationship, I think there's just nothing can replace that uh, that one-on-one um, uh, that one-on-one uh, personal interaction in in the same place at the same time. Um, and I think if you take a step back, you know, I think, and these are bigger issues. Healthcare is, and we could have five podcasts on healthcare and and never get never get done with the topic. But one of the biggest issues in this country is that the person using the service isn't the person paying for the service for the most part. Most of healthcare is either paid for by the government, Medicare, Medicaid, or by private practice paid for by your employer. And there's a very small percentage of population that is paying their own healthcare. Even the ones on Obamacare are mostly almost 90% subsidized by the government. So when you don't pay for a service, you have no problem overusing the service because you're not paying for it anyway. If you have a cold and it would cost you $150 to see the doctor and you don't really need to see the doctor, you might not go. But if it costs you nothing, you go. You know, you see the doctor, he gives you something, he gives you a Z, Z pack or whatever, and, and off you go. And I think the, the interesting thing about concierge services is the person paying is the person using. And I think they're making a, a very uh, a valid decision on what they want to use their money for at that point in their lives. Maybe when they're, when they're in their 30s with young kids, they want to spend $2,000 once a year to go to Disney World. But maybe when they're in their 50s and they're not really going to Disney World, they'd rather spend that 2000 on being able to have concierge service for their doctor 24-7, 365 days a year. So I think it's it at least is it smart use of money within the medical profession. Does that make any sense? It does, actually. It makes a lot of sense. And as a matter of fact, changes, I think, my perception of... of um, of what I want to spend my money on. I think if I had a choice, which I yeah, you just had a birthday, huh? <laughs> I mean, which I'm so glad I, don't. I, mean, I would never spend money on an MRI, right? I mean, I think, yeah, I, mean, I feel good, right? I mean, I, yeah, I'm, I'm all apple a day, keeps the doctor away. I'm, I'm all set. I'd rather. I'd rather go out and have a good have a good weekend in Miami than 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 go see the doctors. Quite frankly, so I do think that sometimes. We, we perhaps the ambition or the ideal of our of humanity is that we're responsible and that we will make those right decisions and those right calls when it when we need to. But I think quite honestly, I don't think we're that I don't think we're that responsible as a as a as a human race. I mean, we're never gonna if we given the choice, seriously, given the choice, would you spend that two grand on a doctor visit or spend that two grand on, you know. Read. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I literally over that 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 really good Friday night out with the guys. I'm just saying. Listen, absolutely right. It's all a question of how responsible you want to be with your money and how much you have have to spend. But there's no doubt. I think as you get older, two things happen. One, you have more of a need perhaps for medical uh, intervention over time in your life, and two, you hopefully are able to afford 
for you and your family to maybe have more one-on-one -on -one care with the doctor if if in that point you need it. If you were somebody who was extremely healthy and never spent a day in your life in the hospital, my father, you know, lived to be 84, went to hospital once his whole life for a minor back surgery. He's not the kind of guy that needs to go see a doctor. But if you are type 2 diabetic or you have slightly overweight and you're, you're constantly working on that and you, you're having some issues, then you might want to see your doctor or have to see your doctor more often. And that might make more sense, keeping in mind the more often you see your doctor, each episode is cost less to be VIP per ep per visit because you're paying you're, you're getting more visits into it. It's like anything else, right? Depending on how much you use it per usage becomes less expensive. I think the big question as we look into the future now, let's say this is a trend. Obviously, if every doctor cuts down on how many patients they're seeing, someone's going to be left without a doctor. Well, this this is true. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's like musical chairs. You don't want to be the one standing. Over history, we have evidence that the treatment is more profitable than the cure, right? And you just you, if you keep keep people alive, barely, uh, you 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 keep yourself in business, right? I, I don't when I look at any list of health of health and that sounds so pro COVID. <laughs> He's a pro COVID. <laughs> <laughs> look, business is business, right? Um, but if uh, I look at the lists of the healthiest countries in the world. The U.S. is nowhere near anywhere on the top of that list, right? It's it's places, it's countries like Japan, Switzerland, Spain, and all of that is defined by how old you can get uh, in that particular country and and the sort of the mortality of 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 the, of the of the population. But U.S. clearly doesn't have it right. And I think when we're trying to come up with these different solutions um that are vip that 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 create separations between those that have and those that have not i think it's only putting salt in the wound of a really bad situation which it seems like is not getting any better but may in fact get better for 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 a select number of, of people well i do want to say what you're saying i do want to say i do think that the united states has the best medicine in the world i think we have the best doctors and i can prove that because whenever somebody with unlimited resources anywhere in the world is really sick where an Arab sheik has cancer he doesn't fly to Paris he doesn't fly to London he doesn't fly to Spain he doesn't fly to Oslo in the middle of the winter he flies to New York City in the middle of winter because in New York City there's Memorial Sloan Kettering which is one of the best cancer hospitals in the world and I think the biggest problem we have in the United States and why our health our, our, our health results are so lousy is because we're obese we're overweight, which is the biggest negative condition towards your health you can have anywhere. I think I read somewhere where it's like 60% or 70% of us are overweight, 45% are obese now. And, uh, and that's, that's, that's the killer that's hurting us in terms of healthcare here in this country. I don't know how many concierges are going to fix that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, agree, I agree with that. I think that unless the cool. concierge is cooking for your meals and watching what you eat, you're going to have a problem. Well, look, I mean, I think the obesity is a whole other issue, right? I mean, it's there's there's all kinds of reasons why Americans are obese, and there's all kinds of solutions to that problem, of which not everybody is you know agrees with. You know, taking soda out of schools, if you will, are issues that people have and raise in the up and arms about. And I also think that the whole concept of obese is also quite interesting. I mean, I'm. Um, I think technically I'm obese, but yet I, I'm, I'm a you know a work a workoutaholic, but I'm short and I have I'm just I'm just heavy. So I think there's a lot of issues that I think come uh, come up with that. But also like just going back to the fact that 
yeah, you know what? Uh, we do have problems. Everyone has problems, but not everybody uh, has the access to the solutions in the, in the same way. And I think, you know, there used to be a, not that I like to quote Cuomo, but he once said, Cuomo number one, uh, said the society should be judged based on how it treats its least advantaged. And I think when it comes to healthcare, yeah, I think the sheik of whomever can come into New York and get great healthcare. But if I'm in, um, <laughs> no, if I'm in Staten Island, uh, you know, what's my situation look like, right? And I think that's that's really when the rubber meets the road. And I think if I'm going to choose to live in Staten Island, I better choose to live there based on my access to healthcare. And if not, you know, I'm up Shit's Creek, if you will. Right. And that's, and that's an issue that's going to continue to be, to be uh, something that's going to have to be looked back. I mean, the concierge medicine business now, right now is about a $5 billion business as of 2020, and it's growing over 9% a year. It's going to be a $10 billion business in 2028. So there's no doubt that that is here to stay just like any other convenience that has been inserted into our society stays forever, right? You never get rid of a convenience. You might, you just, what we're, I guess the ideal is to try to make it more and more accessible to as many people as possible to improve the quality of your healthcare. Yeah, that's true. And then there's also the preventative part of it too, right? I mean, I, I think that one of the things we overlook is we, is we go into, you know, we go to the doctor or we go to the emergency room when a problem happens. And so I got a back pain or I feel something really weird and I go get it fixed. I think perhaps the concierge experience also does that, but it also prevents you potentially from issues down the road where so you say, Hey, you know, things are, you know, you, you're, you're healthy today, but if you were to do X, Y, and Z, you're trending towards this issue will be diminished. And I think that's also perhaps valuable and worth something. Terrific point. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I talk to people and I, I, I'll say I went and had my annual checkup and they look at me like I have three heads. So they've ne they never go for an annual checkup. I think that's ludicrous at any age, but you're absolutely right. The concierge service is a maintenance service as much as anything else. Checking on you once a year, checking on how you're, what, what you're eating, what kind of exercise routine you're doing. It becomes a whole, when you have a relationship that becomes much more stronger between the doctor and the patient, it becomes more of a holistic relationship and therefore more of a holistic uh, 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 benefit to the patient, I think. That sounds like uh, uh, a good marriage. Does that even exist? I'm just kidding. So I think that you're- Half you're, the time. <laughs> well, I think, I think the, the important part of that is that when you're building your relationship with a medical professional, um, that that relationship lasts. Um, but what happens when you get older? Usually, I, I, I know that my relationship with my doctor- um, was, was has always been interesting, but he's always been 20, 30 years older than me. I mean, how long, right? Because usually your doctor is not the same age as you for the most part. Uh, in some cases, you could be younger, but when you have a long relationship with a doctor, well, what happens at, at that later stage in life? This is the biggest negative I'm having with getting old. All the people that know me the best, that I depend on the most, my doctors, my dentists, they're all getting old as well, and they're retiring. And all of a sudden, somebody comes in, oh, well, Mr. Blonde, tell me about yourself. I'm like, tell you about myself. You know. <laughs> <laughs> How much time I was you born got? in a log cabin uh, in <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's just and, and and it's unsettling because because all of a sudden 
like anything else in life, you took that relationship for granted. And when it's ripped apart from you and a stranger is inserted into that relationship, which is so important to your daily need, it's a little scary. And that's the bad part of getting old. One of the bad parts of getting old. Oh, that's also uh, another issue about record keeping. I know in your day, um, people wrote records on papyrus. But I, <laughs> <laughs> I was paying with an abacus. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I think though it's it's you know, where records are, where they where they're located. I know that there's a lot of technology uh, and some trending towards putting all your information in the cloud and there's kind of privacy associated with that information, how that's treated. So I think to your point, how are you documenting your life? So in fact, concierge uh, doctors have access all the right information and they can see trends in different ways. I don't think we're there yet, perhaps. Maybe we'll get there, but especially when you're thinking about, well, you know, what are the, what are the issues that you had or when was the first, when was your operation that you had the first time you're, you're having to rehash and relive um, all of these experiences of which some of which you may not even remember to new doctors and new concierge uh, individuals that, that that need to they need a, a, a big picture of your life um, in a very short period of time to give you the, the best treatment. Well, that's the, that's the great thing about these concierge doctors is they're kind of the command center for everything. If you need to see a, a, an expert, you need to see an ENT, ear, nose, and throat person, they have their list of people. Those people know that this doctor that is referring, you get in right away, you get seen very quickly. Not, I can see you, you know, March 15th, you're calling in October, you know, they get to see you right away. Uh, they get the results. Those doctors file all the results back with your concierge doctor. So that doctor has your whole medical history in one place. That's the biggest problem with all these experts. They all know their little expert, little, little chapter of medicine, but they'd have no idea what else is going on with you anywhere else unless you tell them where they ask you. And there's nobody who has the whole picture. And with a concierge doctor, one of their roles is to have the whole picture. And, and that is very, uh, very comforting for the patient, I think. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. I mean, having the whole picture, having one repository for all this information is, is is critical, and then thus transforms all the things that we've just been talking about between where the location, between telemedicine, between technology, between where you live and associated in relationship to the to the hospital and the healthcare facilities. So it actually changes everything, and actually makes me think now that concierge medicine could potentially be the future. Uh, it may in fact look a little bit different. It may not be writing a check or, or, or using your credit card to pay for your concierge. It may be perhaps part of the system potentially. Absolutely. And I think like anything else in life, over time, we'll take the aspects that work the best and that provide the best service to the patient and we'll ditch the stuff that is is not as as um, optimal in that situation and over time hopefully as well as society evolves more and more people will have access to more and more services including the concierge medical service but i do think it's a valuable service i do think it's here to stay and uh and i do think hopefully it will help improve medical outcomes well said jamie uh, i also think that if i now want to move to someplace uh, remote and uh <laughs> in Montana, perhaps, I can then get access to great healthcare in New York because apparently New York is the best place to get healthcare uh, um, at, a, at, a, at a, any given notice. So I think that there is um, really interesting opportunities for people to, to live wherever they want and still get access to great healthcare as a result of this new trend of concierge medicine. And let me just close by saying, I think it's pretty much 100% certainty that Alex Norman is never going to be moving to Montana. <laughs> yes. 
with that, uh, enjoy your week, everybody. We'll see you next week. See ya. You've been listening to The Real Estate Podcast. Give us a quick review and rating on iTunes. Check out our website at therealestate.co and let us know if there are any new topics you'd like to hear us address. We love hearing your feedback. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.